This week's podcast brought to you by the Uniballer. We went to our niece's Harvard uh, lacrosse game on Saturday, Harvard-Princeton lacrosse game, and afterwards she took us to what I thought was the Harvard co-op. Apparently they call it the Coop there, C-O-O-P, basically the Harvard Merchandise Emporium. And our one of our seven-year-old daughter uh, bought a Harvard hoodie. And we were walking through Cambridge, and she was wearing it, wearing it out of the store, something my mom never would have let us do. And she said, but when I get home, nobody's going to know what this means, Harvard. And I said, they'll know what it means. It's Harvard's pretty famous. And she said to me, not as famous as UConn. That's my girl. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, this is another very special ball and chain because it's the first time that we've crossed state lines. I think we're vulnerable to federal charges now. We're vulnerable to federal charges? <laughs> well, we're, we're doing this uh, in a different state for the first time. Yes, Granted, that, that state is five minutes away from where we live, Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, we're on vacation. It's the kids' spring break, but we can't go too far because I have to or get to the WNBA draft on Thursday. The, the, the WNBA draft always falls the Thursday of the kids' spring break week, and therefore we don't ever get on a plane to go somewhere because we don't have too much time. So we, we get away to Massachusetts, and, uh, and it's snowy splendor. It was snowing today and in the middle of April on our April vacation, but it's, uh, it's nice to be away. Little did I know when we were married that uh, we were married in mid-April, because you had to go to your WNBA training camp a week later. And now, 15 years later, because our 15th wedding anniversary is in two days, you'll be at the WNBA draft on that anniversary. Um, every year, our wedding anniversary coincides with the WNBA draft. This year, it's actually on the day of the draft. Last year, it was the day before the draft, which is when I have to drive down to New York. Uh, you have to be there the day, the day before. So yes, every year I celebrate our anniversary by being a part of the WNBA draft. What better way to celebrate our anniversary than to be apart from me as well as a part of the WNBA draft? I know, an absolute win-win for me. But uh, the year that we were married, when we were married on a Saturday, and it was the Saturday of the Masters, um, a bunch of people on our guest list from your side could not come to our wedding because they were covering the Masters. The beauty of it was we got quite a few gifts from Augusta, we got some uh, cups with uh, the Masters logo. Didn't somebody sign, a bunch of your colleagues signed a flag, a uh, pin flag from the Masters and gave it to us after passed, the fact? They, they passed a flag around the press center at Augusta and all the sports writers there signed the flag because and that's it. what that's what for, sports writers see as a good wedding gift. It Let's was a great, look, it was a great wedding the, gift. It was a great wedding gift actually, yes, that's true. But yeah, did we do that intentionally so that we could still invite those people even though we didn't really want them to come? Did we have it on the weekend of the Masters knowing that would Im- immediately eliminate about 30 people 
from um, from at least your guest list. You're asking me <laughs> if I had anything to do with the planning and That's or execution true. of our wedding. That's true. You had very very I'm not little sure, to do with it. I'm not sure you had anything to do with the planning of our wedding. <laughs> Wasn't it almost entirely your mom? No, my mother hardly did anything to do with our wedding. Who did plan our wedding? I planned the entire wedding. The only thing you had to, had a part in. The, you told me from the beginning. All I care about is that it's open bar and I get to pick out the band. And so those are the only things that that's, you... That, that's no, that's absolutely nonsense. true. It's I got to pick out the band. You got to be a part of picking out the band. You said the only things you cared about was that we had an open bar and that you got to help pick out the band. And so, for example, when I went to pick out the flowers, I said to you, do you have any interest at all in, in the flowers that are going to go on the table? And you said no. I said, okay. So I went and asked my mom if she would help me. So that was how most of it went, which was fine. I didn't really have any interest in collaborating on some of those things you had no interest in being a part of. So you helped pick out the band. We had an open bar. Somebody said yes to your, to, somebody said I do, and it was all good for you. If I had gotten to pick out the band, Earth, Wind & Fire would have been performing with an opening act of England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. <laughs> of who? England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. You seriously don't know who I don't who know who that okay. is. Anyway. Carry on. Is that a band or is that two different It was a people? 1970s soft rock uh, titans, oh, the rivals okay. of Seals and Crofts. Well, but you did make sure that we had a band that could sing Earth, Wind, and Fire. That was one of the, the things that you absolutely needed in our band, and they were terrific. Our band legit was uh, able to sing pretty much anything you wanted from Earth, Wind, and Fire. But we digress. We're in a house that uh, it's, it's snowing and or raining outside, mm-hmm. house full of kids, our kids and their cousins. And they're, they're being quiet right now, but if you hear blood-curdling sneezes know, in the background on cue, sneeze. there you go. you'll know it's them. And uh, they're looking for something to do in the, on a rainy day. And it brought me back to childhood, the puzzles. Our kids were doing Jenga, board games, God forbid, reading books. Do you have any memories like that from your own distant youth? Yeah, we we play card games a lot because when we went when we went on vacation when I was a kid, we would camp, and so rainy days were the worst for camping because you know there wasn't a whole lot you could do. But we would um, we definitely play board games. Yahtzee was a big one, and we would play cards. I was playing Jenga with our daughter the other day. We. You and I decided that it might be fun to try to do a puzzle. And so yesterday we went to the toy store. They had this spectacular selection of puzzles, beautiful puzzles. We weren't going to get a kid's puzzle. We were going to get, you know, a normal thousand piece puzzle and just start it. And our kids could not agree. They started bickering and arguing over which puzzle to get. And you and I got fed up and we ended up leaving the toy store without a puzzle. Like that's that's the so- the, the parenting of four children is... They bicker and argue, and so instead of getting anything, we get nothing, and we punish ourselves because they couldn't care less that we didn't get a puzzle, and then you and I still don't have a puzzle to do on this rainy day. But we would have been punishing ourselves had we gotten a puzzle. Imagine doing a 1,500-piece Ravensburger puzzle with four kids aged 13 to 7 without flipping the table and sending puzzle pieces scattering everywhere wasn't yeah. going to happen no it wasn't going to happen the other the other thing that you know they have that we didn't have is is devices so like for example right now we needed an hour of them being kind of quiet so we told them they could be on devices and the other night i was i was down here and um in the kitchen and i saw that my phone 
was down to like 25%. So I went upstairs and got my charger, plugged it in, plugged my phone in. You came in the room three minutes later and said, my phone's down to whatever percent, and you unplugged my phone to charge yours in, or, or to plug yours in to charge yours. This is something you do that drives me nuts. I always have a charger with me, whether at home, my charger's right next to my, on my nightstand, right next to the bed, so I charge my phone overnight. My phone is always, whenever it gets low, I plug it into my charger. And, and then you started complaining, I don't have a charger, I don't know where my charger, well that's your problem. That my doesn't mean you unplug my phone to plug yours in. My chargers, like the San Diego chargers, have been known to move away a distance, some many miles away from where I am. It's, I don't know who's taking them, I don't know who's losing them. Well, and, and the, the, this is the difference. I know exactly where my chargers are. And if, if when one of my chargers breaks, I purchase a new charger so that I can charge my stuff. So like we come here on vacation, I have a, a charger that has two cords coming out of it so I can charge my phone and my iPad. You don't bring a charger, you just rely on stealing mine. But And, and normally I wouldn't care if you're gonna use my charger, but you don't unplug my phone to then charge yours. It doesn't really work that way. Two observations. First of all, since I since I downloaded the new operating system for the iPhone, none of my chargers worked anyway, because Apple somehow makes it so that you can't use non-Apple chargers when you download the new. Mine still do, but okay. Oh, mine don't. Secondly, as our seven-year-old says, my phone is always down to red percent. Right. <laughs> Well, I don't I don't understand why you don't charge yours overnight. Like to me that makes the most sense. You're not using it. You plug it in when you go to sleep and when you wake up it's charged. You don't do that. You'll wake up and yours yours is not charged. But we've talked in the past about how our kids are 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 very different from one another and some of them have your personality and, and some of them have a little bit more of mine. And our our one daughter she had gotten some Amazon gift cards for Christmas, and so she bought herself a pair of of headphones, of cordless headphones that you charge. And this she is had one headphone. Yeah, not she didn't get two headphones. No. What is a pair of headphones? Over ear headphones. So she got herself a pair, and her and she ended up getting the same ones that her older sister had. And her older sister said, "Oh, good. Now I can charge mine." because she had misplaced her charging cord and so she hadn't been using her headphones because she had no way to charge them. So when our younger younger daughter got her headphones, her older sister can now use hers because she can charge them. Her, her charger's somewhere in the house, but just like you, she thinks she's not gonna spend time looking for it. She's just gonna rely on her, on someone else to, to charge up her battery, so. I, I can't, honestly can't believe you're going down this road because, because you, are, you, are, you are at great risk of exposure here. And uh, certainly yesterday when we were at the grocery and you told me to pick up some pens because all of your pens are missing, you're always claiming. You steal that, my pens. No, I don't steal your pens. I buy my own pens, unbeknownst to you, I buy my own pens at Staples and th they go missing. And then you say that I've taken, you, you see any pens, pens that I've bought, the, uh, the G2, fine point whatever blue ballpoint pen from whoever makes those things the best pen there is uh uniball uniball insert your own joke there the uniball it makes me think of the unibomber the uniballer uh you say i stole your pens well no those are pens that i have bought so we ended up buying more pen i ended up buying more pens and they go missing 
you're somehow go missing, and and you accuse me of I'll taking your pens. Exactly I don't take your pens. I don't know that you've ever bought a pen. Once a month, or once every two months, when you clear off your dresser upstairs, and you take all the clothes and the crud off your dresser, what do you find? Pens, but I like to How have... How many pens? I, 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 when, I put on a, when I put on a winter coat, I find three or four uniball yes. pens in the pockets. You I like to have a lot of pens and a lot of paper. So unlike you, you have, your, you have your office. You have an office in our house with doors. You have a desk in there, whatever. I have a desk in our kitchen. And so I keep... My pens are in the top drawer. So if, if anyone needs a pen, you included, you go and you take one of my pens out of the top drawer. And all of a sudden, I'll look and it's down to no pens. And so I've gotten to the point where instead of just getting annoyed and spending an ounce of my time looking for pens, I just buy more pens and I put them in there because I'm not going to spend my time. And then all of a sudden they're all gone again and you clean off your dresser and there's 20 pens on there and, and now you're acting as if you don't take the pens. You take, you take the pens, you, take, you borrow the charger, you don't put it back and... Let's just agree that that's, that's how it is. Okay, we'll agree to disagree here. Um, how, how are you charging your phone while we're here? We're not. The last no, time... No, I'm just curious. Did you bring, When you packed, did you pack yourself a charger? I don't have a charger to pack, and I don't care if my phone is charged because I don't. the only thing that my phone can do for me is somebody can call me on it, and I don't need that. But what about your iPad? How have you been charging that since we've been here? You, you, this morning I looked, and you had your phone plugged it's, into my charger on my nightstand. It's, it's a the charger that I packed to bring on vacation because I know I need to charge devices. The kids who have rejected the puzzles, the board games, the Jenga, and the books here are watching movies on my iPad. So I don't care if it's charged. It's it's their device, not mine, for all intents and purposes, and, and I'm well, not and using it. Let's get back to the kids, because our, our daughter, who who has the, the charger for her headphone, said to me, you know, when she was packing to come here, she said, oh, I've got this packed, I've got that packed, I've got my charger so I can uh, charge my stuff. And and our older daughter is probably borrowing her sister's charger. I think what it's she's probably saying is she has genetics. my charger, the same way that you have my pens. Right. <laughs> I don't have your pens. I think uh, somebody brought up, was it was it Josh in Wyoming uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know that we ever got to it on the air, about uh, USB cables. We're talking about technology and chargers oh, right. and things. And right. how many times does it take for you to plug it in the right way? We, there should be a 50-50 chance, shouldn't but there? But it takes me at least three. I'll try to plug it in, it won't go in, so you flip it over, you try to plug it in, somehow that way doesn't work, and then eventually you, you find the right way. But uh, I don't know if there's anybody who gets it in on the first one. <laughs> well, every day is some international something today, and today I'm told from Twitter that it's, it's International Sibling Day. And I've always wanted to say this, as a lifelong baseball fan, please welcome the third member of our booth. Your sibling, Rebecca, your sister, Rachel. Rachel, my, welcome. Can I just add my older sister? Because everyone's, Rachel's two years older than me, and everyone since we were little has assumed I was older because when she was six years old and I was four years old, we were the same height. And ever since then, I've been taller. I'm 6'4, you're 5'10. She's 5'10. So everyone just assumes. <sighs> That, that that I'm older. So anyway, my older sister Rachel. May I just say she just sat up taller. You, you said sure. you said you said uh, you asked her how tall she was, and she said five ten. But because she didn't say it loud enough, I made a, a gesture with the palm of my hand, raising to raise her voice. And when I did that, I did. she sat up straight. Yes, I am older. But everybody thinks that you're older, which is great nowadays. I know. We used to. She used to hate it, but now uh, now it's good. 
So you anyways, have, you have, you have you, Rachel's married with uh, with uh, two children who are in our house today. Do you have any problems with chargers? Your husband Ronnie, I assume, leaves your chargers alone. Yeah, we have probably four at home, and none of them work because they're all bent. These are the children <laughs> or chargers? Both. <laughs> no, but I, your story on the chargers is hilarious because for Christmas, I my husband got me a new phone. And along with the phone, he bought me one of those universal chargers. So when I travel, it I should have brought it with me because you could have borrowed it because it has the iPhone charger, the Android charger, the USB. It's got like multiple cords coming out. I couldn't, so have I couldn't have borrowed it because it wouldn't work for me because we have, we have these monster octopus chargers with 19 cords coming off them in the kitchen specifically for this reason. And as of my last time I updated the phone, they no longer work for me. Neither did the car chargers work for me. Well, let me ask you this. Did you, br you're with us on our mm -hmm. vacation. Did you bring your charger for your phone? I brought two chargers for two phones. So, so there I you go. So you, and, so I have one and to did use. your kids have, did they bring their own chargers for their devices? They did. So they could charge theirs. Yes. Yesterday we went, because one of the, our kids' favorite things to do when we're here is to go to a basketball court. And so yesterday, even though it was 40 degrees, it was sunny. Outdoor playground. Out, outdoor ba uh, basketball court. We were out there playing for an hour and a half. The kids had a blast. And um, when we came home, they said, you know, can I get on the device? And I said, why don't you go outside and play? And our son said, we were just playing outside for an hour and a half. <laughs> right now, we're, they're allowed on their device so that you and I can do the, the podcast. But other than that, I mean, the, the bad thing with our kids, though, they're so competitive that games don't end well because somebody has to win and somebody has to lose and and the loser never does well. Even yesterday we went candle pin bowling. Anyone who's not been to Massachusetts doesn't even know what candle pin bowling is. But, you know, our daughter and son got got really, really competitive. Um, they were able to finish the game, but one of them was miserable at the end because he didn't win. Well, when we got to candle pin bowling, the literally completely empty all 24 lanes yes completely empty there's and 12 lanes 12 lanes i think there were, but weren't there two lanes on each okay there's all 12, 12 lanes yeah completely empty and the guy looked around when we asked to bowl as if i don't know how i'm going to squeeze you in and then he said i suppose you can use the far right lane number 12 and then it turns out they had a because league. the league isn't you know the league isn't using all the lanes we got to the bowling alley it was completely empty and he said, yeah, and, and he, but he almost looked confused. And then, of course, the first the first time we pushed the button for the thing to come down and the sweep away the, the pins, it got stuck. But I was thinking as we were in there, you know, other people might be in tropical places for their April vacation. And I felt like we took a time machine because the bowling alley has not changed since the 1960s. It still has the same benches. It still has the same um, desk to keep score on. It so still has, has the, the same, same bowlers. Same <laughs> That's actually very, very true. I was thinking too, because we, we've talked in the past how people can be germaphobes and I'm not at all a germaphobe. Like there's no part of me that gave second thought actually until after we left that, you know, these balls have been touched by, I don't know how many hands, <laughs> the shoes, when you rent the bowling shoes and you, you know, you spend $5 so that your feet can go in these disgusting shoes that a million other people have worn. None of that bothered me. Like I did wash my hands. We went right from bowling to lunch. I did wash my hands, but um, but yeah, I wonder if germaphobes have a real problem with bowling. The guy had a canister, an aerosol can of. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it, it's it's um, to spray in the shoes, a disinfectant specifically for bowling shoes. And um, the name will come to me. I'll mention it at the end of the podcast. But uh, 
I want a can of that stuff. And the can itself looked like it was from 1964. What would you do with it? Would you spray it in your shoes? Or would you just want to have it? I just use it as, a, as like a Glade bathroom aerosol spray. But instead of instead of uh, a field of carnations or whatever, I, this would be, you know, bowling alley. Are you a germaphobe? I don't remember. Um, not really. But when we, last time running, I went bowling. The guy sprayed that spray in the shoes. And then, because somebody had just returned them, and then handed me the shoes, and they were still wet inside. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't love that. What's interesting, too, about bowling shoes now is that they're Velcro. You know, and, and which is great for people who, like, we have a niece who, who can't tie her shoes because she doesn't have full use of one of her hands. So that's that's great. But I wonder, you know, if if it's who they're, who the Velcro shoes are aimed towards. If it aims, maybe so many older people bowl, they don't have, you know, their dexterity isn't as good. But as I was tightening my Velcro on the bowling shoes, I wondered when exactly the transition went from the bowling shoes with laces to the velcro bowling shoes well, there's also a sign paper sign on the door that is necessitated obviously that said bowling shoes may not be worn outside because people like to book outside in the bowling shoes leaving their own terrible shoes behind the counter so if your shoes are worth less than the bowling shoes are and then this happened in high school where we would go to airport bowl in bloomington or lindell lanes in bloomington and, and oftentimes the are highly competitive bowling, we called it rolling the rock, would uh, lead to a chase inside the alley and then outside into the parking lot while the manager shook his fist and screamed us that bowling shoes are not to be worn to the parking lot. All the cool kids went rolling the rock instead of going to prom. It was a few hour drive to get where we are and um, one of the things that we saw on the way was a car that had a bumper sticker that said, no solicitors. <laughs> and you and I were trying to figure out exactly who solicits a car? Well, I, I now regret that we didn't pull up next to him at 65 miles an hour on the Mass Pike, roll down the window and say, hey, buddy, would you like to buy a case of ball bearings? <laughs> well, and then you... And then he would say, perhaps you didn't see my bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I don't understand why you would have that sticker on a car. And you mentioned that there's a Burger King in Connecticut near us that has that sign on the drive through window. So you wonder no solicitors. If, are That's people cool. soliciting at the Burger King? What, what would they? What would they be soliciting? It'd be the, the poignancy of the of the drive-through salesman. I mean, Arthur Miller had nothing. Willie Loman had nothing on the guy who has to drive up to the drive-through window at Burger King, ignore the no solicitors sign, and ask the faceless person behind the speaker box if they would like to buy sixteen cases of of straws. I wonder how many podcasts out there where somebody is telling a story that involves death of a salesman and a Burger King drive through I'm guessing ours is the only one. Well, but it gets me thinking about bumper stickers, too. Like, we don't have any bumper stickers on our car. We have the, the school that our kids go to has one of those little decals in the window. But do you think we'll ever be bumper sticker people? And what, what makes a bumper sticker person? Do you have bumper yes, stickers on your car? Just the ones for the school, the kid, the one. For the kids' school, the, the kids magnets school. don't count. The yeah. magnets are not yes, a commitment. Yes, but you do have one that I ha it's a new one that I haven't noticed that today that says our life is better with a dog. Oh well, <laughs> you're right. We, that's a magnet. It says life is better with a dog, and the kids got that. Kids got that for Steve because he doesn't really love our dog. He hasn't taken too kindly to the dog, so the kids bought that at one point because. Which I thought showed their sense of humor. But, but that was a message to me. What is the message of the bumper sticker generally trying to tell other people about themselves? Sometimes they're political and they're trying to instigate some kind of fight at the intersection. Sometimes they're, you know, 
not so much anymore. My son was an honor student at, at such and such middle school. My son beat up your honor student. You know, what what is going on in the stick figure family? The stick figure family with the chainsaw chasing the other stick figure family. I like the stick figure Star Wars family. The ones the ones that really bother me are the ones that have vulgarity on them and we've seen that plenty. F bombs, S bombs on the back of the car as if the kids in my car, my little friendly minivan they, once they learn how to read and they can see this stuff, like take your take your hate somewhere else, person. We with a we see a lot of, uh, around where we live. No farms, no food. no food, and I wonder what these people have against farms and food. <laughs> <laughs> well, bumper stickers and, and angry bumper stickers make me think too. And um, we talked about this a little bit during March Madness. When did fans become so angry? When did sports fans become so darn angry? And it's like I enjoy I enjoy watching stuff. I can get wrapped up in, in cheering for a team, but I'm not angry. And I, I don't know if it's more obvious now because people have access through Twitter or if it's a sports radio mentality or what, but why are sports fans, I mean, it's one thing to be the, passionate. It's another thing to be angry. That's a separate question. Why and when, those are two separate questions. When, I don't think it's a recent phenomenon. It seems to be more, uh, easily accessed now through social media because people can be anonymous and write horrible things directly to the people that they actually are worshiping and just are trying to get a rise out of and a reaction from. But, I mean, sports fans have always been angry, at least since I was born. Well, you, you had a comment this morning that I found interesting as I was serving the kids breakfast and Rachel was asking you about which basketball team you liked because you mentioned that this was this could be the first time since what year that the Timberwolves make the NBA 2004. playoffs? And um, so Rachel is asking you what team you, you cheered for when you were a kid and your quote this morning was, I haven't loved anything more than the Celtics in the 80s. And you said, including my own family. <laughs> I haven't well, loved anything more than the Celtics in the 80s. You know what? That was an exaggeration. And I love you and the children every almost, bit as much as, as I... As much as no, not almost as much. Exactly as much as I love the Celtics. I should but have you, said it would be were, impossible to love anything more than I love the, the Celtics of but Larry, Chief, Mikhail. But in the early Chief, 80s, Mikhail. that would have been, you know, when you were 14, 15, 16 right. years old. That was the peak. But, and did that make you an... Were you also an angry sports fan when well, you Well, at the time, if, if I, I was more... My friends and I... My two best friends growing up and I were more invested in the Celtics than the Celtics were. So we would be mad, enraged, is not too strong a word, when the Celtics would lose a close game to the Lakers or the Sixers. And we would be more angry that the Celtics didn't seem to be as angry as we were. So, and you know, it didn't really compute at the time that they made a very nice living and they played 82 of these games a year and they were going to you know looking forward to a nice meal after the game all of that stuff because we would sit in my friend Mike McCullough's basement his dear departed wonderful mom Dory McCullough would bring down a bowl of cheese popcorn huge bowl of cheese popcorn during Celtics games that we would watch on his basement we called it Richie the Sea Richie the Richie Cunningham TV from the 50s the big console TV that took like five minutes to warm up and, uh, and 7-Up, she'd bring down cans of 7-Up in plastic cups with ice and say, fellas, I just brought you, and if the, and if the Celtics were losing, Mike would yell at her, oh, we don't just put it down, like she's leaving prison food outside of a prison cell. <laughs> and and uh, my buddy Keith and I would be mortified, like he's talking to his mom. 
and yet we were we were so caught up in the game, so wrapped up in these in these games that meant so much to us in high school that. Um, but no, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have tweeted. Um, Bill Walton in 1986 had had uh, we been upset with the outcome of a game. You, On the contrary, we would call to order pizzas under the name of Bill Walton, and I've told Bill Walton this. We that's how much. That's how into it we were. But anyway. You wouldn't have been like the guy who repeatedly has sent me tweets saying that the one referee in the national championship game should not have been allowed to be a referee because he's Catholic and therefore he must have cheated for Notre Dame in the national championship game. I've gotten repeated tweets from this same guy well, <laughs> saying that a Catholic should not have been allowed to referee a Notre Dame game. So, so you're also asking how long have people been completely nuts? Right is, is the same question then. Um, speaking of how long, I would be remiss, and I'm sure we would get viewer mail if I didn't ask. Now I have you two siblings here on National Sibling Day about growing up, and we're, we're here in a place where I used to vacation as kids. In summer vacation, you'd camp on Cape Cod. And forgive me if this is out of bounds, but didn't you two have alter egos that you would pretend to be as children? <laughs> one of you was Jamie, and one of you was Timus. Timus. Yes, Jamie and Timus. Which one was Jamie and which one was Timus? And how did, how did, what was... I don't remember who Jamie was or Timus. I just know this because we would, if we played outside and if we were playing sports or those sorts of things, those were seen as things that boys did. Right. So we would have to take on the alter ego of the boy that we were if we were going to be like adventuring in the woods but, or... But Jamie is neither a boy's nor a girl's it's name both. specifically. It's both. It's both. And Timus... Timus is neither. <laughs> And and then and then you also had to divide up, as I recall, the Dukes of Hazard. One had to take one, and one had to take the other. As there, oh, we were huge Dukes of Hazard fan. Yeah. Dukes of Hazards fans. Dukes of Hazard. What is the plural of fans. Dukes of Hazard? And um, John, uh, you were the big John, or no? Bowen Luke Duke. Bowen Luke Duke. But which one? I just remember that I wrote to one of them, and I I got. A back, a letter back, and a little poster. John Schneider? Yeah, uh, I think it might have been. It was either John Schneider or Tom Wolpat. I don't remember which one was which, but yeah, we were big Dukes of Hazard. But not Sheriff Lobo. Part of the same. I don't think Sheriff Lobo it was on at the time. It, we didn't have cable growing up. We it wasn't on cable. It was. It was part of the whole thing. The the misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. You don't remember. Nobody called you Sheriff Lobo no. growing up or anything no. like that. No. No. They called Dad Dad. I think they called your Dad Sheriff. Yeah, Lobo. they may have. Well, well, it was funny because yesterday, I, you and I, Steve and I, went to the grocery store, and when we came back, Rachel's in charge of all the kids, and she said that our three of our kids had gotten in a big fight that included physically abusing one another first i've heard this and uh and she was saying to me like we she can remember once once us her trying to beat me up and that was it like only once did we ever but get into only a physical because you were fight physically but it was reciprocated was. it was one of the ones of you know me beating on her and then me co taking cover and letting her beat on me and then walking but, away but your brother but only your... once did we get angry enough that we beat each other up our kids are constantly poking and punching but, and fighting each other but you have a brother who's older than both of you and didn't he orchestrate boxing matches between the two of you but that, was, that wasn't when we were angry he would we'd each get big big giant mittens that were filled with down there we had a red orange, orange pair, pair an orange pair and a you black pair you didn't own a pair of boxing and, um, gloves for for uh, inter-sibling no. fights like no. my dad like it, my dad did but that was just messing around so only once in our entire childhood did we have a, a fight physical that became physical yeah 
So every time our kids have one, it's clearly the Russian blood and the Russian genes. Because the Lobo genes, like I never, my, I've never seen my father in a fight. We never obviously saw our mom in a fight. I don't, we never even as kids saw our brother in a fist fight. Mm -hmm. So I know that's not been your experience when you were growing up. So whenever our kids behave that way, I'm certain it's because of the, the Russian blood that's in their veins and not the Lobo blood. On our way here, we stopped in Boston. Our niece is a junior at Harvard and plays on the lacrosse team, and she had a, a game that we went to against Princeton. What would you say? A couple hundred fans in the stands. They play in Harvard Stadium where the football team plays. And I've never watched a lacrosse game before, a girls' lacrosse game. So I was really interested in... You, you were there two years ago for her game as a freshman. Yeah, but she, she was injured two years ago no. when we were there. Oh, she But she didn't play. When we were there two years, two years ago, she didn't play. So I was there more... I was there for the social part of it talking to her mom I wasn't really paying attention I was she played every second of defense in this game so I was paying attention more and, and watching and seeing kind of how it relates to basketball and screening on offense and all sorts of things but what was really interesting to me was how fans are the same in every sport because a few rows behind us I never turned around to see the guy but there was a guy who was yelling constantly at the refs she went too early or just constant, constant questioning the officials, constant yelling at the refs. My, my favorite thing was, I, don't, I have no idea what this means, but at one point he was yelling as, as one of the girls from the other team had the ball and was running and the defender was chasing her. He just started yelling, eater, eater, eater. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant, but I was just like, and I don't think I'd want to know what it means. But like fans are the same everywhere. It doesn't matter the sport. They're gonna be yelling at the players. They're gonna be questioning the officials. And they're going to be really vocal. And, and for the most for most of the game, Princeton had a, you know, three or four, is it a goal? Goal lead. And then when Harvard made a charge, then all of a sudden the, the Princeton fans started yelling, including the one guy he starts cursing. He's about three or four rows behind us. We've got our, our little kids with us. This guy starts cursing. And it was this, just, is, this is the guy this who every time. And, and it was probably 21, 19 or something. This is a guy who on every Princeton goal would yell, Bingo! <laughs> the, the guy, the, and then somebody, somebody at, at ninety second intervals would yell, "Shooting space! Shooting space!" Right, right. So. I don't know what any of this means, but um, but yeah, that was that was our that was our experience. I, I do like though that our oldest daughter, who's in eighth grade, says now, you know, she really liked the Harvard campus. She liked walk, walking around Cambridge, and now. I'll consider Harvard. Oh, really? You'll, you'll consider going to Harvard in four years. Hopefully they'll consider you. <laughs> Today we were driving to go swimming uh, in an indoor pool. And the song, I Like Me Better by, how, how, how do you pronounce it? Lauv, L-A-U-V. Anyway, the song goes, I like me better when I'm with you. And our, our seven-year-old was in the, the middle seat of the minivan and she was singing, I like me better with cobwebs <laughs> and I said said hold on uh, Rose what are you saying and she sung it again I like me better with cobwebs and then she said is that not the words <laughs> and so that got me thinking that you taught me a word that I didn't know existed the other day a mondegreen and so would that be a mondegreen or is it only well, mondegreens are misheard lyrics like you know the classic uh, excuse me while I kiss this guy that kind of thing yeah so I, I don't know if she's misheard that that doesn't sound anything like what the actual lyric is so mondegreen is when a, a mondegreen would be more is like, when a it, lot it, of people have misheard or, no, lyrics it could be anything that you've misheard I mean I, I've misheard a million lyrics 
over the years. In fact, we were talking about this with the kids this week because they they asked me to put on uh, ELO, Don't Bring Me Down, because they love the part where Jeff Lynn says, Bruce, don't bring me down, Bruce. And then they were speculating on who Bruce was, but I said, I've heard him say in interviews that there is no Bruce. He's not saying Bruce. He's saying a nonsense made up word, Groose. But we will always sing it, Bruce, always. We were talking a little bit earlier about the, the Russian blood flowing through the kids' veins. And Rachel, you were with me. I think it might have been the fir- one of the first times I saw Steve's temper. We went to a Blue Man Group show in Boston. You'd gotten tickets for it. And um, what do you remember about, the, about that night? I remember parking the car and then coming in. There's a parking attendant parking or something attendant. that we get the ticket to. In my defense, yeah. I don't know where the story is going, but parking a car in Boston can be a frustrating experience. <laughs> we had that experience. Garage. We had that experience at Harvard on the way here. But we so we had to give the ticket to a person, a woman in a booth. And I don't remember what the confusion was. It's not a woman, it was a man, but anyway, carry on. Maybe that was part of the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did Steve do? He I just I was far away but I just remember saying what is happening like what is he doing because he was throwing a bit of a fit with the parking attendant I don't know behind what was, his I plexiglass don't, all I know don't is I don't have any memory of this if, but so. well that's because it was run-of-the-mill afternoon for you I just remember being like "Ooh, what's this guy's temper all about and Rachel looking at me like what's this guy's temper all about <laughs> What's going on here? Was this before or after we saw the majesty of the Blue Man Group? I don't remember. It was, it, it was on the way in. It was on the way yeah. in. And what the listeners don't realize was I was in Blue Man Group at the time, and I was I was shirtless, <laughs> painted blue, and, uh, and menacing somebody in a plexiglass uh, carnival dunk tank. Yeah. So anyway, the... Uh, the that, of course, that's the only time she's ever seen your temper, but it was the first. And then Steve saw, saw my temper when we went to, out to dinner at the half door in Hartford and someone so the great was, little Irish pub yeah, well, I'm not sure we went out to dinner we went out drinking, drinking at the half door yes. and someone started yelling profanities in Spanish out the window people were being too loud on the street outside the half door which I imagine is was a chronic problem for the people who lived in the apartments next door yeah, and someone just started yelling profanities, and then I just remember yelling back at them in Spanish. In Spanish. More profanities. More, more profanities. profanities. And where, was... did you, where did you learn this this incredibly profane Spanish? Actually, it was from my grandfather. <laughs> Our grandfather. Was fluent in Spanish. Our grandfather's parents came from Cuba. He was, he was raised in Tampa. He was a dentist, but he spoke Spanish fluently. And but our our parents didn't, our dad did not, because our grandfather's wife, our grandmother, didn't speak Spanish, so they didn't speak it in the home. And whenever we learned Spanish in high school, he would start talking to us, and we couldn't understand him because he spoke too fast, and he had a real accent. But the best thing that happened is he taught Rachel, and but not me, the the appropriate way to curse at someone in Spanish. And, and I would, and I hate to throw us under the bus, but Ronnie will, my husband will be the first to say that when you said it's the the Russian side for the temper. He will say that the first thing is that it's the Cuban in our blood that brings out the temper in our kids. Well, I, I don't <laughs> think so because, again, our, we, we never True. really saw the temper from our dad. I have such a little temper. The only person who really can get my temper going is Steve. Well, all, I, all I can think of. <laughs> wait, but I'll throw this out there since, since you learned it better than me. When, when it's appropriate and they're old enough. I rely on you to teach my kids how to, how to swear in Spanish. <laughs> it isn't interesting, or maybe it's not interesting, but your grandfather was a dentist, 
And he named his firstborn son, his firstborn, your father, Dennis. And it's you. You're the first person to actually make me think that. But yeah, yes, I never that is interesting. He wouldn't name him after himself, but he sort of did. Right. Well, my dad's middle name, though, is his father's name. And then he later became a a plumber and named his second son, your uncle, Plumber. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) This week we'll do an abridged version of viewer mail. We don't have access to the printer. Steve likes to print out the Gmail that we get, which is at ball and chain. No, not at. It's, yeah, Twitter's at ball and chain pod. And the Gmail address is? Gmail address is ball and chain pod. Is it? I don't know. What is the Gmail address? <laughs> it's ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Is it? And then Twitter is at ballandchainpod. Yeah, it is. So Beth said, this is talking about last week when I mentioned that you texted me at the Final Four while I was watching UConn practice to find out how long to cook a frozen quiche. This woman, Beth, said, I travel for work. I got tired of my kids eating fast food, so I pre-made home-cooked meals for my husband to heat up. I left detailed instructions and thought I had all bases covered. In the middle of my presentation, he texted me and asked how to turn on the oven. (laughs) So at least you have one on Beth because you do know how to, or Beth's husband because you do know how to turn on the oven. In my defense, you asked me last night how to microwave White Castle cheeseburgers, and I said you open one end of the package put it in the microwave, and press 1. No, this is what it was. It was two nights ago, and I was making grilled cheese for the kids to have for dinner. And when I said, I said, can you heat up these White Castles? Because I was in the middle of making grilled cheese, and I figured you could at least throw them in the... That, that's I don't want anything to do with the White Castle. They're disgusting. I don't they're even not, want to touch not. them. I, I, don't won't, wanna, I won't have you I say that in my feed, presence. Take it back. I don't want to them to you or the children, and so I asked you to do it, and then you still told me while I was doing the grilled cheese to do that. You should apologize for that. I'll I'll read one Gmail. I don't have access, as I say, to many of the Gmails. So if we didn't get to your viewer mail this week on Gmail, we can get to it in a future episode. But this one was about um, the women's final four just passed. And she, she, this uh, Lori was at the final four. She was one of the observers watching you, Rebecca, in the aquarium as if you were a zoo animal. I I was not a zoo observer, but I had to have a pass to get to my seat. She wants to give kudos to the person that had their finger on the confetti cannon. I'm a big fan of the confetti cannon. I always say when I when I die, I know I've given you multiple instructions for when I depart this, this uh, shuffle off this mortal coil, but uh, one of them is to uh, put my ashes in a confetti cannon and 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 uh, shoot them off at at the end of a of a major sporting event. Uh, how can it pers- be a minor sporting event? It could be a minor. It really, what am I going to say at that point? How did he or she manage to wait for the game to really be over when most everyone else, including players and coaches, had headed to the locker room before hitting the button to fire the cannons? People who don't know, there was the game. The, the game put, looked at like it ended on this phenomenal Arike Gumbawale fallaway three-point shot. But no, they had to. The refs went to the monitor and they had to put on back, put time back on the clock, which was 0.1 second. Well, at this point. Half of the Mississippi State team had already gone to the locker room, so they had to bring them back out of the locker room. For people who don't know, in college basketball, if there's .3 or less on the clock, all you can do is get a tip in. You cannot catch and shoot. It's different in the WNBA. 
point two, you have to get a tip. But you can anyway, get a, you can get a tip in. You with can one get of a, a tip in with one, one tenth of a second to put it left. Mildly. Well, the problem is Notre Dame was up three, so a tip in wasn't going to change the outcome of the game at all. But what I have learned is this: they will always put what they see as the appropriate amount of time back on the clock, even if it won't impact the outcome of the game. And one of the reasons is. I don't know what the point spread was, but it could affect the point spread. Therefore, it could affect the payout in Vegas. And so I don't know what the point spread was in the national championship game. And Mississippi State didn't end up scoring, but um, there's a chance that it could have changed completely uh, how some bets had gone in Vegas. So even if it can't impact the outcome of the game, even though it made everything totally anticlimactic, they do it because it's the rules. And so uh, ended up being... Still a three-point win for Notre Dame. But yes, the person with the confetti, the finger on the confetti cannon, cannon button did their absolute due diligence, did a phenomenal job, and didn't release it until after that one point one second was off the clock. And we have a, I, I like that Lori was watching this dramatic finale, was watching the person with their finger on the confetti cannon. I would have been doing the same thing. Um, we have a, a kind of related email. I, I'm going to read it now. Uh, Michael writes that um, uh, this is a lost art in sports. Since those sports went to tenths of seconds on clocks 25 years ago, the other day Michael was lamenting the yore of days gone by when at a basketball or hockey game, your team was winning. You could count down the last 10 seconds to victory. Do you remember doing this? Even in the drive where you'd count down 10, 9, 8, 7, there was never tenths of a second. And that is kind of a, a if not completely dead, dying Art. You don't see it anymore. No, but what you do see, though, in well, you see in lacrosse now that I've noticed, in girls lacrosse, because this is the second year, I think, that they've had the shot clock, a 90-second shot clock, and the teams will yell, you know, when it gets to 30 or 20 or 10, they the, all the players on the bench will yell it out so that their teammates on the field know how much time is left on the shot clock because, obviously, it's a much bigger playing surface than a basketball court where it's easy to see the shot clock right above the basket where in lacrosse they're just in the corners but not each corner one corner per end of the field and so you need your teammates to to yell it out for you and and i should say that now that i'm reading this email i'm reading an email from michelle michael's ex-boyfriend who turned her on to our podcast and we'll have to go she's got a uh a lot of topics to cover here. We'll do those on a different show. But um, sorry, Michelle, for not getting back to you. Michelle's ex-boyfriend is named Michael. Michael's email is connected to an email from Michelle who says, Hi, my ex-BF Mike turned me on to your podcast. They're in Central Jersey. I just um, like that Michelle's ex-boyfriend is named Michael. I, I do too. Maybe okay. maybe it's like Dennis and a dentist. and, and Or Dennis and Denise. That would be interesting if a Dennis married a Denise. No, Michael and a Michelle. What, I, a I pat a, and a pat. My, my brother married a Stephanie, but I did not. I suppose there's still time. <laughs> uh, before we go, I just want to say that we were in a in a place called Instant Karma, a great uh, used record and new vinyl store in Cape Cod. And there, our 13-year-old was in a section with posters, and we actually ended up buying an $8, the original movie poster for Jaws. It's very sharky around here. And she looked at it and she said, the, and this was the original tagline for the original Jaws poster, the terrifying motion picture from the terrifying number one bestseller. And she said, looked at those two terrifyings and said, I guess they didn't have a thesaurus. <laughs> and in I this, was proud. 
Of course, this is the same daughter who didn't bring her charging cord. This is the daughter who is the 13-year-old female version of you. I would say touche, but perhaps I should say Roger. You don't understand what I'm talking about. I get it. Tom Dick and Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane